that beautiful sound ringing in our ears. Thank you so much. We continue digging into God's Word together. We do that knowing, as we heard both in the psalm and in the letter to the Galatians, that there is one God, one Gospel, and none other. To help us remember to hold on to that truth I tell you this, my family and I during the summer enjoy uh, the summer TV show, The American Ninja Warrior. You might be a fan. It involves athletes overcoming obstacles, and if you were in our house and you happened to hear us yelling at the TV or jumping out of our seats or off the couch... uh, And screaming, it's because usually an athlete has overcome an obstacle by the skin of their teeth, just by the fingernails of hanging on and making it through that challenge. Their job is not to choose the course. They don't get to do that. It's different each week. But their job is to only hold on. And that is what the Apostle Paul is inviting us to do in the letter to the Galatians. He is astonished that they have let go of the gift that they have been given. And he is longing for them to grip anew and again the one, the only true Gospel. In like manner, when Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher and evangelist, talked about this text, He said, cling tightly with both your hands. And when they fail, catch hold with your teeth. And if they give way, hang on by your eyelashes. Don't let go of the Gospel. One scholar points out that it's this kind of tenacity that Paul was hoping for hoping the Galatians would return to. The kind of tenacity that this Gospel hopes for for us. And that he's astonished that they would reject the gift. And this Father's heart that's getting poured out in this text is not just for them, but for us. Astonished that we too, so often, so quickly abandon this gift given to us. I hope you don't miss this astonishment. Don't miss the emotion that's being poured out in this letter. This word from God to us. To capture it, think about a time that you've been astonished or flabbergasted by a teammate. Maybe on a game that you cared about. Maybe you were, felt like you were losing it, but you kept going. But your teammates, they, they just gave up. You remember that feeling? Or maybe you got caught up in the celebrity gossip and made fun of folks whose marriage lasted one, two, or three, or four days. Maybe only so far as until that heartache hit home for you with your friend or maybe in your own family. Maybe you experienced the loss of a husband or a wife who just gave up. It happens 
so frequently in this broken world to us. And it happens from us to God. What have they done? They have left this gift behind. And Paul is astonished. Astonished even to the point of anger. Not to condemn, but to rebuke in hopes to bring them back. God is hoping the same thing for you and for me. And so, instead of His usual salutary words of thanksgiving at the beginning of this letter, He begins with this rebuke. And this rebuke should ring in our ears because what they've done, and maybe it doesn't seem all that bad as one commentator wondered, but here's why it is. You see, any addendum, and what they did is they they added to the Gospel these Galatians They added to the regulation. They said, well, you need to do this for God to do that. And as they added these addendums to the Gospel, and it makes sense why they would, so many other traditions and faiths and Jews around them were following these regimented, detailed religious duties. And they wanted to do the same. They thought... They thought they were making the Gospel better by doing this. And when they do that, or when we do that, it actually becomes apostasy. Apostasy is when we turn our back and as the Scripture says in Galatians, desert the faith. The real tragedy, of course, of apostasy or deserting is that we're not just deserting The Gospel, we are deserting God Himself. And we do that in very creative ways. We add these addendums to the Gospel. And those addendums negate, I like how one other person put it, negate the nature of the Gospel itself. Oh, we're creative though because we'll also... Uh, to continue the analogy, not only add addendums, we'll be happy to ignore clauses. Like in the garden, we'll believe the lie of the serpent. Oh, God didn't really mean that when He wrote that in His Word. That's no longer true for us today in the 21st century. Oh yeah, we're all too happy to say that we don't need the Gospel because we can just ignore whole portions of the Gospel. And so we lose our grip on the one true Gospel completely. We abandon it. We desert it. And we desert God Himself. God calls us. You heard it in Psalm 31 today. to just simply receive this gift. In Psalm 31, the psalmist calls it waiting. It it reads in verse 24, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. I know waiting is your favorite thing, right? You go to amusement parks to wait in line. You love waiting. I know we hate it. 
we get so impatient. But waiting on the Lord is what we're called to do and waiting on His gift. And the thing is, is as much as we are quick to desert God, we discover in God's Word time and time again that God never deserts us. He always keeps His promises. Unless we become as the Scripture tells us this day, an anathema, a curse. Oh, God has seen it all so many times before. You go back to Mount Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses to give to His people. Well, down below in the desert, in the mountain, Aaron and God's people, the Israelites, were waiting, waiting for this Word to come. And they got impatient. They took things into their own hands. Like the Galatians, they thought they could help the Gospel out. And so what did they do? They created a golden calf and began to worship it. And what happened when God's Word finally came down to them? No, it wasn't a Mel Brooks movie when uh, Moses dropped those tablets and those stones broke. God was, wait for it, just like Paul was here in Galatians, astonished that this people who he had just rescued and taken on through the Red Sea, rescued from the land of Egypt, would so quickly abandon him by taking things into their own hands. The Galatians do it. The Israelites do it. And we do it. They think, we think, but we're improving the Gospel, making it modern, bringing it up to speed for our generation. And all we're doing is forging a golden calf in the furnace of unbelief, Todd Wilson says. God doesn't need us to improve the Gospel. He is simply calling us to receive it. In the desert of our hearts that often looks like this New Mexico desert, we receive that gift like the desert receives water. Hard-hearted. Because we want it our way instead of God's way. We want to make life in our image instead of the one true God. And so God invites us Just like all the land receives the rain, not by its merit, but just because the rain comes. And so God brings His Word forth for us to receive. He just invites us to receive it. To wait for it. And when it comes, when our hearts, the soil of our hearts, have been transformed with humility and repentance... It looks more like northern New Mexico. And the Spirit is at work and bring forth life. Luther writes and uses this image. That's where I got it from. And he says, as the earth itself does not produce rain and is unable to acquire it by its own strength, 
worship and power, but receives only by a heavenly gift from above. So this heavenly righteousness is to give to us by God without our work or merit. It's a passive righteousness. The active righteousness is for God and God's work alone on the cross, imputed to us by Jesus. But when we add addendums or change it and ignore clauses and ignore parts of His Word, then we become accursed. Luther says in verse 8, now Paul begins to speak with fire. Because here, this breathing of fire comes out with this Greek word that will sound familiar, this word that we get the word accursed from, anathema. When we reject the Gospel, we become an anathema to God. We have deserted Him and abandoned this gift and have separated ourselves from not just the Gospel, but God Himself. You know, there are all kinds of things that we can disagree on. All kinds of ways that uh, the church has lived out in different denominations. How much water to use in baptism. How we minister Holy Communion. Fine, important points. But we can still come to this Gospel together. This Gospel that's revealed to us not by human revelation, but by godly revelation, by Jesus Himself. And that's confirmed not just on the witness of humans, but on the evidence of history. Revealed historically. Revealed personally. And revealed biblically. So that at Caesarea Philippi, at the headwaters of the Jordan, when Jesus asked His disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter could confess by the power of the Holy Spirit right here by these waters, these same waters that Jesus down the river would have been baptized in. These waters Peter says, you are the Christ, the living God, the way of salvation he's confessing, the one and only way of life. And so this confession doesn't come from our merit or strength, but God graciously reveals it in all of these different ways to confirm it. And ultimately, it gets confirmed by Christ himself. It's so tempting for us just to please people. That's why the Apostle Paul in verse 10 will tell us that He has not come just to please men, but He's come under the revelation of Christ to serve God. There's a growing movement, in particular in the United States, but all over the world, that we call the Duns. Those that are frustrated with faith or the church because as they were trying to help it, we 
have abandoned from their perspective the way God should do things or the way the church should do things. Sometimes they have good critiques, but these duns are done with God, often certainly done with the church. And what they end up doing in trying to improve the gospel is deserting it, deserting God, making it in their own image instead of the gift that God has given to us. And it's certainly not because the church on earth is perfect. It's because the gospel is. The gospel comes to us perfectly through the revelation of Christ. And so we don't become superior to the gospel just because we're the church. We don't have approval over the scriptures. We don't become superior to it. We receive it and come under it. Come under it because of what Christ has revealed on the cross and through the confirmation of His resurrection. Having done what He has done, then we can wait on the Lord who certainly, most certainly, as the psalmist writes, is our refuge. I like how one scholar and preacher, uh, uh, preacher pointed out that no one likes to receive a warning like this that Paul gives us here in Galatians chapter 1. No one likes to get honked at when you're driving down the road by another driver. No one likes it when they get their name called out in public before we get ourselves in trouble stepping out onto a street. Or when a parent calls out their child's name before they burn their hand on a burner. But warnings save lives. And we hear our Father's heart here in this text warning us lest we desert the Gospel and become an anathema to God. And so our church, our lives in Christ should be anchored without addendums or ignoring clauses, holding on to the one true gospel. Luther was thinking about this as he wrote about this text, thinking about his own church that he shepherded in Wittenberg, and he wrote these words, and I'm going to change it though and add our own community. By the grace of God, we here in Albuquerque have acquired the form of a Christian church in our midst, the word is taught purely. The sacraments are used properly. There are exhortations and prayers for all kinds of social classes and experiences. In short, everything is moving along well. But some fanatic could stop this blessed progress of the gospel in a hurry. And in one moment could overturn everything that we have built up with the work of many years. If it did for God's Church in Galatia, established by his agent Paul. It could for Luther, and it could for us, lest we are not heeding this warning to hold on to this one true gospel, to receive it by Jesus' work alone. I still remember the feeling of having my, sweet, my feet swept out from under me when my family and I as a young 
boy, we're at a monster truck rally. And as I was in full stride about to cross a passageway, I had no idea, I was not aware that a monster truck was about to speed by. Thanks be to God, my stepdad was, and he picked me up and pulled me back, and I first became aware of it when my feet were out from under me. I am praying, I am praying that the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God's Word is sweeping you off your feet and pulling you back to the one true gospel today. Let the rains come down on your heart. Let the soil of your heart be ready to receive the life-giving gospel that comes from Jesus alone. Not hardened by doing it your way with addendums or subtractions, ignoring clauses. By saving yourself by creating a gospel that fits for you instead of the gospel given to us by Christ. Trust Jesus' unaltered gospel. And if you must, look to Christ. And as you see what He has done and brought through the resurrection, then you'll see looking through Him that His Word is faithful and true and looking backwards through Him, all of God's Word therefore is true. Hold tightly, tenaciously even fixed on Christ alone. And then let us cry out with the psalmist and pray with Him in You, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In Your righteousness deliver me. Incline Your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come.